They have come all the way from Manchester to be with us today. Um, so Sid is going to be speaking to us a little bit later about living by faith and not by sight. But before we got into that, we thought, why don't we get to know them a little bit? So I've got some questions that I'm going to ask them, and we'll see what their answers are. Cool. So, to start with, we have some very serious questions that we need to find out. I need to know whether you prefer chocolate or ice cream. Chocolate. Definitely. Ice cream, but as long as it's not chocolate ice cream. (laughs) Okay. Who out there, who prefers chocolate? Yay! Who prefers ice cream? Ice cream. Okay, so we've got a bit of a mix. Okay, another very serious question. Would you rather... Swim in a lake of custard, which is cold, or baked beans, which is cold. Definitely custard every time. I'm baked beans. Gotta be baked beans. Okay. So one of them went for custard. Sid went for custard. Who's with Sid? Who would rather swim with custard? Hello. Okay, and who would rather swim in baked beans? Okay, so all of you who put your hands up One for custard, pet. we've got a nice lake of custard that's going to arrive, which we're all going to have to swim through later. Excellent. You all okay with that? <laughs> I'm joking. It's all right. You don't have to swim through a cold thing of custard. Okay, and one more. Are you afraid of snakes or spiders? Which would you uh, prefer to hold? Neither. Neither. I, I don't want to hold if either. If I had to, I'd hold a snake because I can see where it's... Sid, you need to tell your story of what happened yesterday when you were sat on the toilet. Oh, <laughs> he does, he does. Th- this is related I heard a scream. I heard a scream from story. the story. Go on. Uh, well, <laughs> I sat on the toilet, as okay. many of us do. <laughs> and uh, I suddenly realised that some kind of weird creature that I think only lives in Guernsey with a million so. legs. Have you guys got these in your houses? They've yeah. got so many Anyone? legs. Yeah. What are they? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so got weird. bigger legs at one end and they slowly get smaller. It's not a centipede. It's not. It's, it's like an alien. A, I'm like convinced a centipede, it's an alien. A happy centipede was attacked by a terrible spider disease. And Back to the story. That crawled across my legs whilst I was on the loo. <laughs> and he screamed like a little girl. Honestly. Okay. I was just in the kitchen. He was like... Ah! A little girl with pigtails. <laughs> Okay, good. That's good. Okay, great. Well, there we go. We've learned a little bit about them. Now we're going to move on to a few more questions. So, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Maybe where you grew up? Maybe if you've got one childhood memory that you'd like to tell us about? Okay. Shall I go first? Yeah, go on. Okay. Uh, I kind of, it's very hard to say where I grew up because I grew up all over the place. I was born in Reading, that you've probably never heard of. It's somewhere in England. And then... Uh, <laughs> But I don't remember Reading because at six months my parents took me to uh, live in Africa. Until I was nine, uh, I lived in a country called Rwanda in East Africa, and that was quite cool. And I had to go to school in French. And uh, anyway, that was okay. And then there was this uh, really bad war, so we got evacuated and had to live with my grandparents uh, in England for a bit. And then I spent a long time living in a town called Woking in Surrey. And if anywhere 
is home. I guess that's it, because that's where I grew up, had all my friends. When I was your age, that's where I was, and that's kind of where my accent is. Um, but anyway, now, now I live in Manchester, so I don't know where I'm from. <laughs> um, Manchester. Yeah. We've adopted you. We've, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I needed help and a home. Uh, so yeah, one specific childhood memory. Um, one time when I was living in Africa, I was seven years old, and uh, I was swimming in the Indian Ocean, which is just there, and uh, I needed a poo. And uh, I came out of the sea and said, Dad, I need a poo. And my dad said, Son, there's no toilets near here. We're on a beach in the middle of Africa. You know, I have to go in the sea and do a poo. So because I was seven and I believed everything my dad said is right, and you do at seven, you believe everything they say is correct, I went into the sea up to my little seven-year-old nipples, and I thought, okay, I think I'm deep enough now to do a poo without anyone knowing what I'm doing. And when you poo in the sea, not that any of you probably know about this, but just so that you know, so that you don't have to do it, I've done it for you. <laughs> when you poo in the sea, you have to try and keep a normal face, because obviously then people, if you go like that, obviously people were like, oh, he's not swimming, he's up to something naughty. So I dropped my little uh, seven-year-old swimming trunks, and, uh, and I did a poo. And the weird thing is, when you poo in the sea, you're not really sure when you're finished. It all just, everything's wet. So <laughs> it's pretty messed up. You're like, oh, I think I've pooed. I don't know. And then you're like, okay, I, I think I've pooed now. And you pull your little seven-year-old swimming trunks up and you think, man, I need to get out of here. Because it's like swimming in a big toilet bowl. So I'm pad I'm, all I can do at that point is doggy paddle. So I'm doggy paddling away from the poo zone which is a vague area, so I'm just, let's go as fast as I can in one direction. And I'm doggy paddling along, and I'm like, I think I've got away from the poo. I didn't feel it on my feet or anything horrible like that. And then, there's all these African kids running along the seashore, all pointing and laughing, which concerned me. And I thought, oh, could, could the unthinkable have happened? Have I done a floater? But no, that, that can't have happened to me. I turned around, and sure enough, there it is, like a chocolate torpedo chasing me down the beach. And the worst part is the wind was blowing in the direction I was swimming. So I'm swimming, and this poo is actually gaining on me. My poo can oh, swim faster than me. This is not good. So I'm swimming, and I'm like, oh, no, the poo is gaining on me. So eventually I just thought, okay, I'm going to have to stop pretending it's not my poo, and I'm swimming away. And I just sort of ran out of the sea with loads of African children pointing and laughing. And that is my childhood memory. Awesome. And this is who we have to come and speak to you today. I hope you're going to be able to take everything I say really seriously. Yes. How about you? Okay. So I grew up in Glossop, which sounds boring, and it is boring. It's a really small town near Manchester. Um, it's got a similar feel to Guernsey. It's kind of in the countryside. It's pretty, but for a kid, it's pretty boring. Um, at the moment, I run a sweet business, which is a bit of it's over there. Come by sweets off me in a bit. Um, it's literally the best job in the world. I sell sweets for my job. It's amazing. Um, another little thing about me is that we have a little pug. We've got this gorgeous little dog called Alan, and he does loads of tricks. Uh, actually, I think we've got some pictures. Is that possible? I don't know if that's possible. I've just sprung this. Let's have a look. Oh. That's Alan. He's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's sorry. This is the Eden bus. So when I'm not being silly in Guernsey, um, I run this. So it's a big uh, double-decker bus that we've converted into a really cool youth centre, and it's got like Xboxes and 3D TV and, and fun stuff on it. And 
little recording studio and things. And I take it around like uh, poorer estates in Manchester where the kids don't have much available for them to do. And we tell them about Jesus and show them God's love, which is really awesome. And they love it. And uh, this is an estate in Manchester. Next picture, please. Uh, this is inside it. That's in Liverpool, actually. But it doesn't matter. It's the same bus. It's cool because I can take it anywhere. Next picture, please. Yeah, this is... Oh, that's a really bad shot. <laughs> but anyway, that's some guys preaching on the bus. It was a good night. And then this magnificent creature. Look at him. Isn't he beautiful? Now, in real life, he's not that big. He's about this big. And uh, that's him chilling out in the sun. And, yeah, Tess, if we crossed Alan with a rabbit, we'd get that. And if we crossed, crossed Alan with a loaf of bread, you'd get that. And if you crossed Alan with a gorilla, have, has he been crossed there or is that just him? I can't tell. Okay, good. Anyway, back to my wife now. Hello. He's been mean taking silly photos of our dog when he's beautiful. And if Lisa's really nice, we might bring him later. <laughs> um, the last thing I was going to say, did she shake her head? Oh, okay. Um, my childhood memory um, was probably so. I grew up with my mum and stepdad in a Christian family, but um, I saw my real dad every other weekend, um, and he was a bit mental. He was really, really, really cool, and I loved seeing him. Um, and he was a racing driver, so he taught me to drive from the age of seven. So I'd have like my little old granny in the back of the car and I'd be in the moors with my dad sat on his knee if I couldn't reach the pedals trying to drive his 4x4 car across fields streams, anything across woods, hitting into things with my poor little granny in the back of the car going like this so yeah, that's my childhood memory <laughs> very nice awesome, so Sid how has God impacted your life? wow uh, well I was actually 12 when I became a Christian. So, some, who, who is 12? I've got my hand up. I'm obviously not 12 anymore. <laughs> I'm a very, very big 12-year-old. Cool. 12 is a good age. Congratulations. It lasts about a year. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> how has God impacted my life? I think, for me, I realised that God didn't just exist somewhere. I kind of always believed in God, but I realised that, wow, actually, God wants to know me personally. That was huge. And even though I'm 28 now and I'm really, really old, God still, that decision, oh, Tess might be older, uh, that decision to follow Jesus has still been the biggest decision in my whole life, bigger than what exams I did or what job I've done or where I went to uni or even who I married. God is even more important to me than that. And that's okay with Tess because God's more important to her as well. <laughs> it actually holds us together because we have that really important thing together. So, is that cool? Is that that's a good cool. answer? Awesome. So, Tess, um, how have you had to live by faith and not by sight in your life? Okay, so I really had to trust God with who I married because it's really scary. And I've been treated pretty badly growing up by guys, made lots of stupid decisions. So I didn't trust them very much. Um, so I'd known Sid. I met him four years before we started going out. Knew him for a while. He fancied my housemate. Boo. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to say that bit, did you? No, that's very awkward. No. <laughs> um, so he invited us on holiday. 
me and my housemate and his housemate who fancied me. Awkward. Even more awkward. Even more awkward. It's like an episode of Friends. It's awful. It was horrible. And we thought loads of other people were going to come on holiday with us. They didn't. It was just the four of us. So it was this disgracefully awkward double date holiday in France. Awful. I nearly didn't go. I ended up going, thankfully, in the end. Um, And... (laughs) I clung to Sid like glue because I was so scared of his housemate who was just being really awkward around me. So I just stuck to Sid, made friends with him even more. He started holding my hand and I was like, hang on, this is weird. He's just a mate. (laughs) And then I had a little kiss on the beach. Everyone gave him an arm. That's disgusting. You'll understand it one day. (laughs) (laughs) But then Sid started getting a bit stressed because he wasn't sure whether it was right or not. And so I started basically, we sat on a wall, I started telling him off. Really telling him off. (laughs) What? Because he was being indecisive about whether he wanted me or not. Really told him off. And then this random man came and walked up in front of us and picked up off the floor where we were sitting, staring, because I'd I promise you I wasn't looking at him. I was just staring at the floor, shouting at him. And this random man came and picked up off the floor a wedding ring and asked him in French, I don't speak French, whereas he does, asked him in French if it was his. And he was like, no, it's not mine. And I'm going, what's he saying? Tell me what he's saying. I need to shout at you more. <laughs> um, yeah, and basically just kept asking him and asking him whether you he, whether he wanted the wedding ring. Do you want to tell the story of the wedding ring? Yeah, it was pretty weird. So he just said to me, "Is this yours?" And I was like, "Oh no, it's not." So normally, if you'd lose, a, if you'd lost a wedding ring, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's mine." So I was surprised when he didn't go away, and he said to me in French, "Are you sure it isn't yours?" I was like, "You yeah, know, I'm really sure it's not mine. I'm, I don't have any rings." And uh, and he said, "Oh okay." He said, "So you're sure you don't want this?" I was like, "Well, I can't take it because if someone's lost it, I don't know, hand it into the police or whatever you're supposed to do in France with rings. I don't know." <laughs> so. And he said it again, so four times. And he said, so you're really sure you don't want this? I said, no, I don't want it. You need, you know, trying to have a talk, conversation here. And it was the weirdest thing because there definitely wasn't a ring on the floor because I'd been staring at that patch of the floor because it was awkward looking at Tess because she was telling me off. So, <laughs> and, that, and then he comes and picks up this ring and I was like, what the heck was that all about? So that was one pretty mad thing when we think, God might have spoke to us through that. In fact, I sometimes wonder if it was an angel or something like that, in disguise as a French man, which is a good disguise. In chinos. Angels can wear chinos and speak French. Uh, Go on, Tess. And then, as if that wasn't enough information from God that he was the right person, I needed a bit more. I think he needed a bit more as well, to be fair. Um, We were praying together at some point one night, just about to say night to each other and go home. And... We started praying probably about half nine at night. Looked at the clock and it was five in the morning. It was bizarre. It felt like 20 minutes worth of prayer. It was amazing. We don't normally do that. It was just this huge, bizarre prayer thing. It was great. Um, anyway, and we kept getting pictures. Sometimes God speaks to you and gives you pictures. Um, and we kept getting loads of different pictures. And one picture that I had was of a swan. And Sid... Uh, who said it first? I can't remember. Sid said, I've seen a picture of a swan. And I was like, no way, I just saw one as well. That's mad. 
And so I said, what does that mean? And he was about to say, I haven't got a clue what that means. But then he went, um, I think it means they're protected by royalty, they're owned by the queen, and they can't be hunted, and they mate for life. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool and weird that we've both seen the same picture of a swan. And then for the next three weeks, every single day without fail, we saw things to do with swans. So the next day, I was just meeting my mum in Subway, and I googled the address, and it was in Swan Square. And Sid had a meeting in Swan Buildings on Swan Street, <laughs> bizarrely, the next day. And then loads of other swan things happened. Can you remember any more? So yeah, it was pretty weird. Three weeks of swan-related incidents. So the, <laughs> the first two weeks, I'm like, man, I, like, what the heck's going on? This is like swan overload. And then by week three, we're just like, yep, there's today's swan incident. It was weird. <laughs> it, it just got funny after a while. I, and I had this, um, there was this young lad called Adam that I was working with, and I took him to McDonald's, and we're having a chat about how God speaks to us. Because he, he was saying, Sid, I've seen my, Christian, uh, my sister become a Christian, and when we prayed for my mum, she got healed. She wasn't, you know, she had a 20% chance of surviving this operation. And yet, she's like, and yet God's done this incredible thing. And then, um, and he said, and I think, you know, I see God in creation around me. I see, like, that God's doing stuff. But he says, I still am finding it hard to believe that God could speak to me. And I said, okay. And so he said, well, can you give me an example of how God speaks? And I said, Adam... God can speak to you any way he wants. He's God. He's not just like, all I can do is email and telephone. Like, God can do anything he wants. So, he said, no, I want an exact example. So I told him the story that Tess has just told you about how we were praying, and I saw a swan, and Tess saw a swan, and we were like, what the heck? And, um, and how God spoke to us about how we belong to royalty, like, belong to God, and that we're protected, and that we're meant to be together for life. And he was like, that's really weird. And I said to him, yeah, and also we've felt that God say that I should set up a painting and decorating company called Little White Swan, which I did. Anyway, Adam went really quiet and, went and had a really white face, and then he said, okay, I'm going to go now, and he left. And I thought, what's happened to Adam? He's normally very chatty. A week later, we took him on like a, a weekend away with, uh, with another church. We went, took a load of kids away. And uh, whilst we were driving there, Adam was in Tess's car, and this two swans flew right across the bonnet of the car whilst they were driving along the M60. And Tess went, ha ha, two swans. And uh, Adam went, that's yours and Sid's thing, isn't it? And Tess was like, how do you know? We haven't told anyone about that. And Adam was like, oh no, Sid told me at McDonald's. So Tess is like, Sid just telling random people in McDonald's our story. Anyway, so, um, and uh, Adam said, I believe in God now. And Tess said, why does seeing two swans on the M60 make you believe in God? And he said, well, because the night before I went to McDonald's, I had a dream in which you and Sid saw two swans and started a company called Little White Swan. Isn't that insane? He even had the name of the company. And he said, I realized, I was asking Sid, I was saying to Sid, I wish God would speak to me, and he already had. And it really, and Tess was like, that was a week ago, why haven't you told Sid? And he goes, because it freaked me out. <laughs> And it would. That, I mean, that would freak me out. So anyway, it was just exciting. Like, lots of different things like that happened early on. And we found that like, God was not just speaking to us, but even using it to, I guess, encourage other people. So that was cool. Awesome. So can you tell us about sweets and feathers and how God had the vision, placed the vision in your heart for that? Yeah. Well, the feathers thing obviously comes from the swans as well. You've probably figured that out. So... 
If you ask me to sell you some feathers, I'm afraid I've not got any. Sorry, just sweet. Apart from these, but they're not for sale because they're my favourite earrings. I'm sorry. Um, so basically, me and Sid have got um, a real passion for family and for community. Um, yeah, we just want to we want to love people basically who've had a bit of a tough time, um, and we want to teach people how to who've like not really been brought up properly how to cook and clean and look after themselves. Um, but also, we want to, when they're ready, take them out and show them how to be part of the business and give them a reference and do some work experience and hopefully be employed. So we want to have a community house where we're going to have people live with us. Um, but we're also going to run businesses from the community, one of which is going to be Sweets and Feathers. Um, and God spoke to me very much a little while back um, very strongly about how I needed to just leave my full-time job. Um, so I was earning most of the money. That Sid was on a part-time wage and then part-time doing his, his um, painting and decorating. And I had a full-time job. Um, and God just told me to leave it and to trust him. So I handed my notice in. And I was like, okay, God, what do I do now? <laughs> um, but amazingly, he worked it out so that the day that I finished working there and started Sweets and Feathers, Sid got a promotion, a full-time promotion. Um, so yeah, he just provides. God's amazing. And that's why we're setting up Sweets and Feathers. But also, in order to do that, we've really had to live by faith and just trust that God knows best um, and that he cares about us so much we don't need to worry about what's in our bank account because he'll sort it out. So yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. Can we have a round of applause for Sid and Tess? Woo! Thank you. Hi, we are Malachi. Just for listening to the free download from Resonate. Please feel free to listen to the other sessions. Jesus loves you. Bye-bye. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>